establishing attention on the breath, the body, the silence. Sometimes we resist this, and it's something in us that doesn't want to. Uh, it just wants to sit and not do anything, or just let the mind wander, think. Anything that becomes a duty or something we feel we should do, because then that attitude is, will create the resistance to it. Even we know it's a good thing to do, it will, just by the grasping of that perception, at least I find this in myself, a tendency to resist uh, when I feel I should and have to do things. I think it's a common human reaction. Uh, to know that, to notice uh, these uh, these tendencies of, of that one has, that one is experiencing. If I say I can put it in the in that imperative form of you should watch all your reactive uh, resisting tendencies, and then they'll come across a, as a command, and you'll feel resistant to that. But when we make prescriptions for life, and our, and we we make our life a, a, a kind of duty uh, that we have to perform, or we have to do all these things in order to, uh, you know, fulfill what we the the our own demands and expectations, standards, and what uh, others expect us to do. Then, of course, this is what life is. It's a, it's an individual human being. We affect each other. But we can at least observe this and not just be caught in in blind conformity uh, or in blind resistance and rebellion, the two extremes. I think with religion, one of the greatest uh, things that puts anyone off is tell is the kind of religious zealot that, with the eyes shining, comes up at you and says, "Have you heard about Jesus Christ?" <laughs> and, you, and you immediately want to run away. We don't want, we don't want to, we don't, we, we resent having somebody tell us what we should do or what we should believe in. <clears throat> but that's a reflection, isn't it? I just, uh, how, I mean, that's what the way I feel when I feel someone wants to convert me or tell me uh, you know, you get. I meet people. Uh, sometimes people come here to the monastery that have uh, that feel they're uh, some kind of prophet or sage, and they have special messages. And 
they come to share these messages with me. And one sits there and, and listens and you feel this, uh, you know, that uh, sometimes the message is quite, quite all right, you know, quite a good message, but, but the, uh, the way it's presented is oftentimes uh, what one finds offensive. It's the, let me tell you, uh, I know what is good for you. Uh, and uh, you should listen to me and do what I say. And, and this, uh, this form of commandment and patronizing attitude is, tends to uh, create resistance or it can, if somebody is, is looking for somebody to tell them, then they conform to it. Some people are just waiting for somebody to come along and tell them what to do. How they should be. What but on reflection, we, we you can see this, we can observe our own, the way we respond or react to these particular situations. It's like coming into the shrine room in the morning just to observe the, you know, the, the, the way, the, the, the mood or the feeling you have. Just like trying to get here on time. What is that like? To, to not be late or having to come in after everyone, after it's all started, what does that feel like? The sense of, of uh, maybe standing out, everybody looking, everybody knowing you're, you're, you're late. This, this uh, self-consciousness, sense of me as, as, a, as separate from you, that uh, we can begin to observe and 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 just reflect on it because it's always it's a, it, it's always a kind of unpleasantness to be somebody to have that to ha always have that feeling that you have to be somebody or you you have to prove yourself or you have to not offend people or you don't want to upset people or you don't want to be a nuisance don't want to to hurt anyone's feelings. You don't want to make a fool of yourself. In the, this practice of reflection, we just willingly, uh, uh, try, you know, deliberately ask yourself, what does it feel like to, to be self-conscious or to feel uh, that um, people expect things of you, or to feel that you shouldn't, you, don't, you, you feel you're a nuisance, or you feel, whatever way you, <clears throat> the sense of self-consciousness uh, is manifesting, contemplate that feeling and help you to, to see it as, a, a, as an object in the mind.
because that is very kind of insidious and uh, causes a lot of, of unnecessary suffering in a person's life. <coughs> Here in, in England, where people, there's a very polite uh, society, people are extremely polite and uh, considerate, not wanting to be a nuisance or impose themselves. But also the suffering that goes along with that, uh, a sense of, of diffidence and, and reticence, because uh, culturally one is... One is uh, Condition to to think in terms of not being a nuisance. So to think of yourself as not being a nuisance, uh, not wanting to be a nuisance, then we also have the other that somehow we are a nuisance, basically. That uh, we know we can be. I know I can be a nuisance. <laughs> Not, and it's not just illusion, <laughs> but what we're, we're uh, observing is, is that feeling, uh, that, 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 that self-consciousness, that sense of our separateness, our personality of being our, uh, this, this alienated sense of self, self-consciousness and personality, ego, And you can witness to it, you can observe, it feels this way. Being timid or shy, or being uh, feeling very um, indignant and, and upset by the wrongs of, that other, the, thing, the stupid things that other people do. The doubting about yourself, you know, who am I? I'm nobody, or who am I to make judgments about anything, or whatever um, myriad ways that this this self-consciousness appears to you, you try to to put it in that context of of a mood or a feeling, just to note it, notice it. And then we use the breath, the, the body, the sound of silence it, as, a, as our resort, what we go to. But in the reflection, we, we can bring up these different powerful uh, tendencies of our minds to contemplate them. To if you, because we, we are self-conscious, then really be self-conscious. Take it to, to an ultimate self-consciousness. So it's not just furtively kind of making statements like, well, I shouldn't be, or I'm terribly self-conscious, and I know it's, a, it's not a very good way to be, and I wish I wasn't, and going on like that, which, which is, means that you're just... Uh, you, you proliferate around it rather than actually see it uh, and objectify it. 
but in the the breathing of the body there's it's just the breath isn't it it's not it's a function it's not it's it's a natural function it's not it's not personal people, you know, unconscious people still breathe and it's when the breath stops that you're dead and they uh, so breathing is, is, is something that is just uh, the law of nature and so when you're when you're with the breathing then you're you're noticing the, 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 the foundation of life, the, the law the rising and ceasing the body, this human body, is, is this way, depends on the breath. And this, this, this kind of reflection helps to put what is natural in the way things are, separates it from the personal feelings you have about life. Because in the Western world, we tend to take everything personally. Our body, our, our breath, our, our instinctual drives. Monks and nuns will even take hunger as some kind of personal failure. <coughs> like hunger for food. You're, you have one meal a day, you're sitting there feeling hungry. And they'll say, oh, I'm greedy. because they, they feel attracted to this food in their alms bowl. And of course they'll interpret it as on a personal level, which isn't very nice, is it? I'm greedy is not, not, not a very nice perception of oneself. And then, then, the, then the logic there is, if, if I were mindful I wouldn't be greedy, I wouldn't be feeling hunger or something. I mean, I'm, they don't sometimes really think it out very well, but they they can assume that a natural hunger of the body for, for nourishment is some kind of personal weakness, greed, desire for for eating food is is uh, base and low and greedy. When it is just natural, isn't it? The body needs nourishment. When it doesn't get it, it 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 starts giving off the signs that I want something to eat. Give me something to eat, <laughs> because it needs it. It's not because the body is an insatiable, greedy form, just uh, obsessed with with eating. It actually needs it. So we put the these these in these basic drives and instincts on the level of, of natural laws, following natural laws, they're not personal. It becomes personal when, it, when, we, then when we mistake it for being some kind of uh, personal judgment of I'm a greedy person because I'm hungry. Or a thing like a sexual desire, things like this are 
are always re- in modern life are regarded in highly personal ways and, and moral judgments made. And seeing this is a natural kind of instinctual energy and drive in, on, on a physical, a very physical level, and uh, the, the attraction between uh, male and female is is a natural, is a natural law. It's not, it's not a personal thing really. It, we interpret it then, and act on it personally sometimes, but as an actual experience of, of life, it is, it is the, the way it is, a natural law of, uh, that, that allows the species to be created, procreated, preservation of the species. Without that, we wouldn't want to be bothered. But that's not self, also. So we begin to see that these are these are these these forces in nature, this realm that we are born into, and the and the instinctual drives and forces. We're putting them in in the in the proper place, so that that they're seen and understood, accepted for what they are, rather than than uh, distorted through taking it all on a, as a personal uh, quality. Because when it becomes personal, then it becomes, I'm a, I, have a, I have a lustful nature, or I, am, I have strong sexual desires, or I don't, or I shouldn't, or I should, or it's all the kind of con- convoluted, complicated, uh, self-views we create around just the sexual nature of, of the body. It goes on endlessly now in the modern modern uh, life where we, we lose our understanding, a kind of, kind of native intelligence is not operating in us very well anymore because we're so, we live in a world of such artificial uh, views and and things that are quite obviously uh, just part of of uh, natural life, sometimes are not seen that way. Feeling guilty about hunger, uh, attraction, uh, sexual attraction, things like this. Feeling uh, guilty or worried or concerned or putting it down or exaggerating it, making it a kind of the most important thing in your life, whatever is, is a, is not putting it in the perspective of Dhamma, but translating it always into terms of a self. And with the self-view there's always a sense of, of alienation and, and dukkha, suffering. In the morning chanting, when we chant "Yo so de Takado" in, in we chant uh, reflections on the Buddha, this word "de Takado" de Takado is interesting to contemplate because it Pali word, and it means uh, it's, trans- it's difficult to translate because it into English. 
because it means like the one that that is, is here now. It's not like it's not a reference to a kind of personal somebody that was born 58 years ago and and uh, has a history or a biography uh, memories it's it's like the immediate arising that which is now here and aware and conscious the buddha referred to himself uh, after his enlightenment always as the tathagata which is datada uh, the word datada or tathagata is means the suchness of the moment the 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 here and now uh, The, and it's uh, the intuitive. It's not. It's not uh, as an intuition. There's no person anymore. But as a as a memory, we become somebody. We remember. We have our passports. We have our birth certificates. We we have a history. Everybody these days. There's so many people writing their autobiographies. You know, everybody wants to record their 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 unique life uh, in historical form records I was born in such and such a place and my mother was this person father that person and these are the things I've done and things I've experienced some some are very interesting we're all interested in how what happens to other people their histories their biographies it's quite find that usually find that quite interesting but in now is a and that's the level of person of, of fixing on how, how many of you would write if you had to write your biography autobiography how much would you really want to reveal to others I always amused by the little biographical write-ups they have about me, because it all sounds so, you know, it's a very one-sided description of the things I, I want other people to know. There's a lot I don't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you just go by the the little write-ups about me, you would think, well, he's you wouldn't think I'm, you know, that you could relate to me very well because it is. It's just the, it's a selected version of life. It's what I'm willing to let people know. <coughs> when when we read that, like the the biography of Arjun Man, isn't it? I always found that irritating. The biography of Arjun Man because some people find it inspiring. I always found it irritating because uh, it's it's uh, like he was never never had a bad thought in his life from the day from the day one he was just you know such a highly evolved perfect little creature that <laughs> and you can do that in a biography say so he was born on the I was I was born actually on the on the on the day of Kalpanta or the 
the day of the beginning of the Rains Retreat in 1934. Significant, isn't it, if you're a Buddhist monk? <laughs> Naturally, I had to become a monk if you're born on such... <laughs> Then uh, I can read significance into that. If you're born on the full moon, I must be a special person because I was born on the full moon. And then uh, at the age of and so, uh, such an age, I had a experience of, uh, I, I had a mystical experience or whatever. And they, these are maybe true, you know, memories from one's past. But uh, recognize that most of our life was not these significant events, but just the, you know, going through the stages of toilet training and eating and whatnot. And, then, and uh, the way children, the way we develop through, through not always being uh, lovely, charming, considerate, angelic, little creatures that, that we can uh, create in a, in a book. But in the sense of a Dittakada, or the, the thus come one, it's a funny in English, isn't it? Thus come one, the as is one, <clears throat> the suchness one, or a bit clumsy, doesn't come off well into English, so when uh, Yo so Dattakado Arahant Samma Sambuddho the Dattakada we use it is the noble lord. We we almost make it into a title like a you know, like a superlative title for the Buddha. But the Buddha actually used it not as a as a kind of superlative title of attainment, but of of a way of referring to the present moment that is not personal somebody without a history, without a biography, without a passport, without a birth certificate, no university degrees, no, there's no qualifications listed, no curriculum vitae. It's just the, this now, that, that which is knowing now, this sense of here and now. <clears throat> 